We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey there, Knicks fans. How you doing? It's your boy, Jonathan Macker, with you for another episode of the Knicks Film School Podcast. Here today on, I don't care, I don't know what day it is. I don't care what day it is. All I know is the Knicks can't lose anymore. They just can't lose any more basketball games. And I am here to talk to uh, the beat writer of beat writers. He is, he is, he was in the woods today, apparently, but he emerged fairly unscathed. Only 37 minutes late. That's nothing. It's nothing. You showed up. Uh, Fred Katz of hey, the Athletic. I walked, I walked, I walked into a press conference like last week. Tibbs talks at five. He was talking at, at five 30 was his pregame press conference. That's early. I walked in. Well, it was in DC. So seven o'clock. Oh, start time. Okay. So he was talking at five 30. I walked in. It was 527. He had already started. Uh, I run over, put down my recorder, and I say, you're early. And he looks at me and he goes, you're late. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> I was like, man, this is like the Coughlin school. If you're not 15 minutes early, you're late. This time I, I really was, was late. Early. I was 37 minutes late. I thought I was 15 with Coughlin. Oh, we're going to have to check someone who's an actual giant. You're not a giant fan, right? It's five. It's five. It's five? Okay. Five. Yeah. That's why Michael Strahan wanted to retire. Because it was like, <laughs> just make the meeting five minutes later. All right. Like if I'm not, if I'm on time, I'm on time, Tom Coughlin. I digress. It's five. Um, Talk about a perfect transition. So, uh, actually, no. Before I get to your... I want to get to a couple of your pieces that you've... One that you wrote today as we're recording this. It's, it's Tuesday. And also... Uh, reach back to your, your mailbag you did recently. I want to start here though, because I don't know how you experience this when this happens, but like, so in your case, it's a team you cover. In my case, it's a team. I, I hate saying I cover the Knicks, but like it's a team. I, whatever I do, I write about and I talk about, and I, I certainly root for when they become the national story, which like is kind of happening with the Knicks at the moment, not fully, but like a little bit. I, I just get this weird sensation. It's like, oh, this is weird. Every all of these other people are talking about the team that only not that 
I'm like the Knicks are always in somewhat of a national story, but like you get the, the gist, like how do you feel as a beat writer covering the team when like they become something that like all kinds of people are talking about? It's cool. It's fun. I haven't had that with a team that I've covered in a long time. You know, I've had it before, but not in a long time. Like I, I had that when I covered thunder. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, I had that when I covered the thunder for sure. Like that's what Westbrook's entire MVP season was like, because that was like, that was like a barnstorming team. They would be, Oh, Russell Westbrook's in town and he's going to be the first guy in six decades to average a triple double. And it's unbelievable. And you know, they'd go to Orlando and he has so many fans and like they would go to Orlando and he, he had a game in Orlando where they they were down like 14 with, you know, like, uh, you know, like two seconds left, not actually two seconds, but it, that was when like a 14 point lead actually meant something. And <laughs> Russ just decided, Oh, I'm going to, I'm just going to take over the whole game, takes over the whole game and, and wins it on like, it has like a 58 point triple double. Then there's the game in Denver where he famously breaks the single season, triple double record for most triple doubles Mm -hmm. in a single season and brings them back from down like 12 with two minutes left and, and hits a game winning three at the buzzer to give him exactly 50 points and a fifth triple double. Like the numbers he was putting up that season were just that game might've won in the MVP. Yeah. Well, you know, everyone talks about the triple doubles from that season as a reason for why he won MVP, but like his clutch performance that season was obscene. He won them so many games. I I might've said this on this podcast before, because it might honestly be my favorite stat in NBA history. Clutch time stat isn't clutch time stats. Aren't a thing that have existed for that long, but Mm. do you know who has the, you know what the record is for most points per 36 minutes in clutch time in a single season. It's Westbrook in his MVP season. Do you know how many he averaged points per 36 in clutch situations? Yeah. Was it over 40? So clutch situations to be clear is a five point game with fewer than five minutes to go. And he averaged on the dot exactly 60 points per 36 minutes. (laughs) And if you think it's just, oh, well, he's rusty shot every time, his efficiency numbers were higher in clutch time than they were in the rest of the game. He was insane that season. And so just like him taking the entire league by storm on an individual level, he was the biggest story in the league the whole season. Uh, and that that was... You know, from a team level, the biggest story in the season was KD and the Warriors. But Russ was even tied to that because it was like this was his revenge tour for KD yeah. going to the Warriors. So I can't believe we've started two consecutive podcasts off talking about Russell Westbrook. But that's okay. Whatever. He's, He's interesting as hell. So he is that, interesting as hell. That was incredibly fun to cover and incredibly fun to watch because basically every single night I got to see an entire season up close that at the time, nobody thought anybody was ever going to have a triple double again. That was considered an unbreakable record at the time that he did that. And, and being able to see that up close every day was extraordinary. It was like, I, the whole time I'm like, you just have to remind yourself, wow, my job is cool yeah, as hell. Yeah. You know, for, for, for all the things that maybe are not cool about it always like that is that's, that's why you do the job. Exactly. Um, uh, so, so I've had that, but yeah, I agree. Knicks, they're, they're playing great ball, man. They're playing great. Um, so now I'll get to what you 
uh, wrote. So I, there's a few things that I want to pull out today, but I think I will start with, um, well, that you snuck this in here. Uh, in the, uh, this is Fred Katz of the Athletic. In the middle of the Celtics game, I received oh, yeah, a we text. Didn't intro me. I, no, I, I'm saying what I'm about to read is Fred Katz. I introed you. Oh, but, did we? I thought I cut you off before you even introed me. If anybody is still unaware of who they're listening to right now, this and is they're really bad at reading athletic. podcast descriptions. That's what I'm saying. What? Do you I ever not actually know who's on a podcast? Every time I listen to a podcast, I'm like, oh, who's on the podcast? Uh, as do I. Um, so this is what you wrote today. In the middle of the Celtics game, I, Fred Katz, received a text from another team's coach who was watching the Knicks build its lead, watching New York build its lead. Excuse me. Quote, the Knicks are legit, the coach wrote. And then he sent another. They play so hard. Um, I think the biggest question right now and like, you know, Zach Lowe was on ESPN today talking about like the Knicks are good. And like, there's been other people like, again, this is this one of the big stories now. The Knicks are good. Like the Knicks are legit. The Knicks are good. Like, I think everybody's trying to figure out what exactly that means right now, because I agree. Watching this team, these are good words to use. Legitimate, good, solid, like all of those things. Does it mean, as my daughter is making her guest appearance, nightly guest appearance? Good night, Sass. It's okay. Do you think the Knicks are good? Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't think it's a conversation worth having. <laughs> of course oh, they, they're good. They are, they are, they are act, you, you think that they are good and it is, it is just end of conversation. Yeah, of course they're good. They're, they're okay. 36 and 27. They're... They're rolling over the Celtics and the Sixers and they're annihilating New Orleans and Atlanta. Like this is not, we're not 10 games into the season. Like the season's almost over. Of course they're good. They're better than the team that was two years ago. And I know you agree. Cause I heard you say it on the post game podcast last night. Like this is, this team is better than the, than the four seed. I don't know what that means for the playoffs because the East is better now than it was that year too but this team is certainly better balanced that team was 24th in offense that team got to an atlanta defense that wasn't even that good and was like oh no how do we beat this and lost in five because they just had julius randall isolating that's not going to happen in the playoffs this year their their process is so much better their shot selection is better the way they get to their shots is better they have quicker decision makers jalen brunson changes everything because he's going to be so big for them you know, if and when they end up getting into the postseason, because his isolate—if you have a guy who can create genuinely efficient offense in one-on-one play, not efficient for one-on-one play, but mm-hmm. efficient independent of whatever kind of offense it is—and you're getting it out of one-on-one play, just very rare. He's the best isolation this team is player this team has had since Carmelo Anthony, and it's like that's not a hot take, is it? I think no, it's, it's like, not a hot take. I'm actually just. You said since Carmelo Anthony, who since Carmelo we should Anthony. know we we should know it finished third in MVP, and yet if one wanted to quibble, and I'm not going to be that one, but if one did want to quibble, one could probably look at the efficiency numbers for Carmelo for several of his seasons here, and now and then look at Jalen Brunson's efficiency numbers and be like, hmm, it's a conversation. Um, but no, Melo but it's probably is best. not. Melo like literally won a scoring title. He w- literally won a scoring title. He is literally one of the 75 greatest players ever. And he literally made, I'm sure Andrew knows this off the top of his head, how many all NBA, te- several all NBA teams as a Nick. So 
Yes, he is. And if, he's one of the good. Yeah. If you quibbled with my quibbling on that, I would requibble you so freaking hard. He's Carmelo Anthony. He's here's this the, is not an insult saying that Jalen Brunson is the best isolation player on the Knicks since Carmelo Anthony. No, he, he, listen, the reason I reacted as there I was, did, there was a period, there was a period when people were talking about Melo as the best pure scorer in the entire league. And they, now, now he wasn't a better pure scorer than KD, but no, people were talking about him as the best scorer in the entire league. Like, come so on. This is where perception, um, differs from reality. The reality is all of the things that you just said. And yet my perception recalling back, not so much to 2012, 13 or even 13, 14, because there's an argument he may have been better that year, even though the team stunk, but those last couple of years where it's like every mellow ISO, it was a moment where a certain subset of Nick fans of which I was one of them was like, I don't need to see this anymore. This is not doing anything for me. I'm, I'm ready to move on to whatever comes next after this. Um, the grass will be greener. I, I I know it will be. Whereas Jalen Brunson, it's like he goes into his like series of jukes and moves and things. And it's like, as a fan, you're just sitting there. And it doesn't matter what your ethos are as like what you value from a basketball team. I guess maybe there's some people who think he's a little selfish, but whatever. It's a small subset. You feel good about that possession. And I guess that's the point that I want to drive at, right? It's like when, when Jalen Brunson's doing his thing, you feel like you're going to get something good out of it. Two things. Number one, Jalen Brunson is 26 years old. So let's compare him to 26 year old Mello. Not Mello only has one more decent year in his legs, Mello. That's true. Number two, Jalen Brunson is on a team with probably a better coach than Mello ever had. Uh, probably. Woodson did a good job. Woodson did Woodson a really a nice good job coach. with them. Woodson, yeah, was Woodson a very did nice a really coach. good job with them. Woodson did a really good job with them. So, so we'll say Mike, he, Mike Woodson was a good coach, but he's on a well-coached team. There's no question. Yes. The Knicks are extremely well-coached. And other than the 2012, 13 season, when, when Mello was, was literally got a first place MVP vote. I Over mean, LeBron, that, has, that has been, that has been memed into the oblivion. But like, what, what, John, what are we doing here? What are we doing here? Like he, he, he's, he's Carmelo Anthony. Like I understand that he's criticized and he's flawed. Thank you, Fred. <laughs> Goodness. Like, been sitting here for 10 minutes trying to get your attention in the chat. So that way you can see what I've been trying to tell everybody that's trying to compare this era of efficiency to what bucket getter Carmelo Anthony it. was. Goodness. This is Jalen Brunson's awesome. And now you're making me seem like I'm talking crap about Jalen Brunson when he's playing no, this insane no, brand of basketball. Carmelo Anthony is like, is like, where is he on the all-time? Andrew, you have to know. Where is Melo on the all-time scoring list? 10. He's 10. I he's knew 10th that. on the all-time scoring yeah. list. Six-time yes. All-NBA scoring yes. title. A 10-time All-Star. I know it's your podcast and I know I was 37 minutes late, but I am banning you from this thing. I'm sending you you back to the woods. You're, you're making me come in at a time when the vibe should be exclusively positive and, and, and and you're making me just crap all over you, which you're probably used to because that's what you sleep in, in the woods. Right. And, 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 (laughs) (laughs) Oh God. It's like a really, it's like a really disgusting sequel to the revenant. (laughs) 
Yes, I was thinking actually. the Star Wars yeah. when uh, he puts uh, Han Solo puts Luke in the innards of the whatever that animal was. Mm-hmm. I, I, we've yeah. now di- really fully digressed. Um, look, it's I, your I fault. It's your fault it for fault. A, a, a silly take. My point: this team is good up and down the roster. They have a guy who is really good at creating his own shot, which has really helped them late in games and is really going to help them come a playoff series or a playing game or whatever. And they just know their roles. Like I, that's what I wrote about in that story where you wrote about with the, 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 the coach who had texted me that. And the reason I put that in the story is cause he just, I wasn't texting with him. He just texted me that unprompted. Um, and they just have this great understanding of their roles. And in that story, I was talking, so I was talking to Mitchell Robinson after the game, uh, after the Boston game on Monday night. I was going to bring and this up. So I had mentioned to Mitch and he's just such a joy to interview. And I had, I had mentioned to Mitch um, that there was a play in the, in the fourth quarter, which I led the story with where Mitch gets a block on Malcolm Brogdon and he just absolutely busts his ass the other way down the floor. And I asked him when you, when you're running the floor that hard, like, what are your goals? What are you trying to do? And I thought he was going to say, well, you fill the lane. I know where I'm supposed to go. And I fill the lane and, you know, hopefully I get an open bucket out of it. And he didn't say that. I thought that's what he would say. Um, And it was funny because with Mitch, you, you see the Instagram statuses about him wanting to do crossovers and the offhand comments, which are clearly jokes about, you know, about him always wanting to cross guys over. And every once in a while, you see him bust out some sort of drill move that he's like so proud of. And every time that he does it, he is yelling about it when reporters are in the locker room, like to an, an intentionally absurdist level, of course. Oh, uh, and. And yet when you ask him, when you're just sprinting down the floor, like when you're the big man, you're the last line of defense and you're the first one back on the other side, like he was on that play. That's an extraordinary effort play. So you ask him, where, where's the effort coming from? What are your goals? And he says, well, I got to draw the defense in because if I draw the defense in, then that's going to get transition threes for everybody. And I was like, man, that's not knowing your role. That's like kind of a level beyond knowing your role. Knowing your role is my role is to play defense, set screens and dive to the basket. That's knowing your role. He expressed in that moment to me something beyond knowing it. He showed, he expressed a embracing of his role and a, uh, and a, and a, not just embrace it, a true, true understanding of the nuances that come inside of that role. Uh, and, for a guy who I think people publicly think because the way that he loves to troll, he just has a great sense of humor and he thinks it's hilarious. And I think because of that, people think that he, he wants to be expanding his game, wants to be doing all this stuff. And then you hear him talk like that and you see him play the way he plays. It's it's a rare thing. I've been covering the NBA for eight or nine years now. It's a rare thing to have a team where everybody really embraces their role and understands not just, okay, this is my role. I'll do it for the team, but understands like, okay, this is my role. And I understand why it's my role. And here's how I'm going to be good at it. They have a really good thing going 
from that perspective, that's, that's, it's pretty rare. I would say fewer teams have that than not. And I think the Knicks have that. You're making me think, you know, trade deadline last season. And I'm sure we talked about it at the time. There were, I mean, I, I would assume they at least talked to teams about, or there were discussions had or like phone calls made one way or the other about Mitchell Robinson. They decided not to move him. And like, I think, well, I certainly thought at the time, like, well, it's Tibbs's rim protector. It's like the foundation of like what they, what he wants to do on defense. And I guess to a certain extent on offense as well with the offensive rebounding, which you wrote about earlier this season. Um, but it makes a lot of sense what you're saying now, because for, again, as, as you say, for as goofy as he can appear to be on the outside, there is this part of him that takes this shit very seriously and that has embraced everything that they're doing, which makes me think about the part of your story that was at the end of it, which is where you wrote about the anecdote about like Jalen Brunson and, you know, asking Tibbs like, well, what does he bring to the team? And Tibbs talks about his leadership and being the first guy in the gym and how you make this point that the Knicks have assembled a team of players full of all of whom are in the gym early and late. And you wrote that the Knicks have made a conscious decision to acquire people who fit into Thibodeau's passionate personality. I'm like, I don't want to make this about Tibbs, but like he clearly has a certain way that he goes about his business. And it sure seems like some of the other players in the locker room have a way that they're going about their business. And as you, as you're alluding to, I, look, they're not the most talented team. God knows they're not the most talented team. They have talent. They're not the most talented team. They don't have that. You know, we always go back to, they don't have the superstar, but man, I, I, it's just sitting here right now. I'm like, I wonder like, how far can you get on full buy-in? Everybody knows what they have to do. They know what they want to do when they go out there at both ends of the floor. And like, again, there, this isn't the little sisters of the poor here. Like they got guys who could do some things on the basketball course. I, that's where I'm at right now. You know, 60, whatever games into the season. How far can you get? It can get you really far. It can get you really far. I I have always been a believer. I would rather, and I'm not saying that this is the way that I would describe Tibbs. I'm just speaking in generalities. I would rather have a coach who has C plus schemes and A plus buy-in than A plus schemes and C plus buy-in. A team where everybody knows what they are supposed to do and is able to execute it and able to understand why it's important. And they play on a string, play together. Um, They understand why they're doing the things that they're doing and they're just totally bought into it on every level. That is going to be a more successful team than a team that like has good X's nose coach, but they're all like, I don't, I'm not, I'm not buying this stuff. I'm not, I'm not happy in my role. I don't understand why he's using me this way. I, you know, Mitch obviously understands why Tibbs uses him the way that he uses him. Understands and embraces, as you say, understands and embraces. There's there's a difference between, there is a huge difference between, okay, I'm supposed to set rebounds. I'm supposed to block shot. I'm supposed to get set screens, block shots, get rebounds, play defense, call out defensive signals. That's my role. That's what my coach wants me to do. And that's what I'll do it. It's another thing to say. I understand it on such a level that even when I'm running the floor on a fast break, when your intuition might be, I want to dunk my, my role is still, I'm the dive man. I'm it's gravity. 
I got to pull in the defense and then we got to get transition threes out of this thing. And then maybe if I want to get a few flowers, maybe I'll be able to get a put back, which by the way is what happened on that possession for Mitch when he had perfect rebounding position because he busted his ass down the floor. And I just think Mitch is such a good example of that. Cause look, I did, I, it's only my second year on the beat. I didn't know Mitch on a personal level when he first came into the league, but when he did, there were all the questions about kind of his, his maturity level and uh, you know, his, his ability to be able to put those sorts of things together. And I don't think there's any doubt about that. Oh. I mean, like he's, he's got an immature, like sense of humor. You know, like he, he, I, I cannot Still tell you that story, Fred. Oh, did I, did I say it on the podcast or no? I don't think I, haven't I, I should have even teased at it. some point, at some point, I'll write it. There is a story. There is a story <laughs> that I'll write about Mitchell Robinson at some point. I have to wait for it the is, Fred Katz book. The, uh, what's the, what's it, the type the shit I've heard in locker or whatever it is. It is. Yeah. It is the dumbest dumbest story and it's just but it's mitch because he's lovable right he absolutely cracks me up he cracks me up um he has this you know the sense of humor of a four-year-old still but he that's that's about as mature of an answer and mature of his thought process as you're gonna get as from a from a from a guy who makes 17 million dollars a year i mean i was critical of that contract when they gave it out and I was very clearly wrong to be critical because that contract is fine. He's, he's been certainly one of their four most important players this year. Yeah, I agree. Uh, one, I, one of their foremost, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and assume that Emmanuel quickly is also in that group. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, ordering the Knicks' most important players right now—that's an interesting exercise. And we then, will, and then, and then, Svi and Archie Diakno. Clearly, uh, Archie Diakno got the start the other day. Good, good for I him. I know. Uh, didn't put up seventy-one, but still performed admirably. For over thirty years, the law offices of Weiss and Rosenblum in New York City has been home to a team of award-winning, hard-hitting injury attorneys who have a long track record of seven-figure results. Whether you've been injured in a car accident, fall, construction accident, or other traumatic event, Weiss and Rosenblum will work tirelessly to maximize the award, regardless of the severity of your injury, and get you and your family the fair and just compensation you deserve. Call Weiss and Rosenblum today at two one two three six 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 one zero zero. Again, that's 212-366-6100 or visit weissandrosenbloom.com for more information. No case is too big or too small. Personal attention to your matter is a priority. Once more, call 212-366-6100. Previous results do not guarantee future outcomes. If you think you might have a case, speak with a veteran attorney, not a rookie. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. 
Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, Knicks fans? Quick break to tell you about HelloFresh. With HelloFresh, you get farm-fresh pre-portioned ingredients and seasonal recipes delivered right to your doorstep. Skip trips to the grocery store and count on HelloFresh to make home cooking easy, fun, and affordable. That's why it's America's number one meal kit. You've got New Year's goals, and HelloFresh is here to help you achieve them. Take control of your time and budget with delicious recipes delivered right to your door. Looking for an easy way to eat well and save money this year? Cut back on expensive takeout and delivery and get started with HelloFresh. You'll love how easy, fun, and affordable it is to whip up a restaurant-quality meal right in your own kitchen. With fast and fresh recipes, HelloFresh's latest line of meals featuring robust flavors and filling portions are ready in less than 50 minutes. Enjoy taste and quality done quick with recipes like falafel power bowls, seared steak and potatoes with béarnaise sauce, or southwest pork and bean burritos. If you know anything about me, you know that I'm not the greatest when it comes to cooking. Thankfully, I found a life partner that loves her time in the kitchen and loves putting together these elaborate meals. Unfortunately, with her schedule working at a school all day and my schedule covering sports all night, we rarely have time to go to the grocery store together. Well, HelloFresh has made it possible for us to do all all the grocery shopping for the week right from the comfort of our living room. In fact, just last night when I was editing the latest KFS pod, she was putting together two plates of Presto Pesto Panko Chicken with roasted potatoes and green beans. We were able to do dinner and a movie without even leaving the comfort of our own home. And this is just one of several delicious HelloFresh meal options with cook and prep time taking less than an hour. When you've got busy, conflicting schedules like ours, you don't have to go out for dinner and a movie. Instead, it comes right to you. Don't hesitate. Head to HelloFresh.com slash FilmSchool65 and use code FilmSchool65 for 65% off plus free shipping. Again, that's HelloFresh.com slash FilmSchool65 and code FilmSchool65 for 65% off plus free shipping. HelloFresh, America's number one meal kit. I am curious to see, and look, so much of it's going to depend on matchups, but when it, when an opposing team has a chance to game plan for them in the playoffs. I, I'm actually, and I'm, I'm, I'm writing this uh, something along these lines for the, the newsletter on Wednesday. I'm actually not worried about defensive. Like we know what they're going to do defensively. You know what the schemes are. We know what they're going to try to do. We know how they want to go about their business. And we know if a team is going to get really hot from three, then that's about the only way that they're going to succumb. And that might happen. Um, but that that is what it is. Offensively, I'm really curious to see how teams go about trying to trying to combat because it's very obvious what they want to do, but they're not trying to hide what they want to do. And like the other thing I'm I'm writing about for Wednesday is how they're going to attempt to overcome something that not many teams in recent history of basketball have been able to overcome, which is they are still, for as much as they are the sixth ranked offense in the league, the eighth worst shooting team in the league. And Typically, you go back and look at any year, teams who do not shoot the ball well do not tend to succeed in the playoffs. And you need to be elite at like several other things. Um, 
Steven Adams, who you love, was a big part of the Memphis Grizzlies last year, number one offensive rebounding team. They overcame some crappy shooting. They won a playoff series and put a little scare into the Warriors. Um, the Knicks check all those boxes. You've written about this as well. Offensive rebounding, they'll turnover. Um, you know, getting to the line, which we talked about last time. Are they going to get better at getting to get into the line? Well, guess what? They're better at that now. I'm still curious to see when when teams have a chance to game plan for them. Are they going to try to take away Brunson more? Make Randall direct the offense? Do you know like what? I'm I don't I'm, I'm maybe getting ahead of myself, but like just spitballing here. If you had to give a thought or two as to like how you might see a defense try to counteract what they do in the playoffs. What what thoughts come to mind? Oh, there's no question that you're getting ahead of yourself. <laughs> <laughs> it's like 20 games left. Yeah, they're, yeah, they're, in the five, they're in the five. They're playing great, but there's no question. Last thing I'll say, the only th- reason I'm asking it is because what they do well on offense now in the regular season is just so clear. They get into the teeth of the defense doing the things that Brunson does and Randall does and RJ does. Don't forget about him and quickly does. Um, and they draw fouls and they kick out, you know, to three point shooters and they make some tough shots. And like, they like it's, this is what they do. And they run sets that are again, whether Tibbs is a C plus or a B minus with the X's and O's, it's creative enough to get the guys, those guys in positions where they get in their spots where they want to get to and they put up the shots they want to take up or draw doubles and kick out. Like I it's basic, but it's basic because it doesn't, I don't think it needs to be very much more complicated because it's working. I just, I, I wonder how that's going to look in, in, you know, in two months. But if you, if you want to hold off on that conversation, we could, hold no, off we can talk about it. We can talk about it. Briefly, we I don't think it's it for long. I would just, it's what I I've think- been thinking about. I think it, first of all, I mean, this is an annoying response, but it's, it's going to have to have something to do with what team they're playing and how they defend. Like, like a team like, uh, you know, say Cleveland is going to be a lot more reliant on its rim protection and paint defense than, you know, another team might be because Cleveland is, you know, a really good defensive team, but is so much more proportioned towards its paint defense with Mobley and Allen. And, and you can kind of, you can, you get their vault, their guards are more vulnerable. So what do I think will happen? I think in general, I think teams will probably try to take away Brunson and try to make Randall initiate the offense. Uh, I think if that's the case and a team does it successfully, then at some point in that series, I will write a story about how either RJ Barrett or Emmanuel quickly has become the X factor of the series. Because if they are able to take away Brunson and if Julius Randle is, you know, de facto running the offense in that sense or in an emergency period, kind of having to create offense for himself, then they are going to need another shot creator to come help them. And that will probably have to be either Emmanuel quickly or RJ Barrett. Uh, Maybe quickly because he has been the superior shot creator this year, or maybe Barrett because we've seen him get really hot and be able to score. And also he's the starting three. And in that lineup, that's the guy. Uh, So, so I think that that's a way that it could go. Uh, I have not thought about this at all. Another thing that I'm thinking about too, is one of the reasons that I hate playoff cliches is that people just say that individual parts of the game are important. Oh, it's really important. Come the playoffs. And if you put all the playoff cliches together, it just means, Oh yeah, you have to play good basketball. 
Like, oh, okay. <laughs> Thanks. Uh, because it's like, oh, you got to have shooting. Oh, but you also got to be able to score when the game slows down. Oh, but you also got to be able to force turnovers, which means that you have to be able to play fast because you're forcing turnovers. But yeah. oh, you, you don't want to turn the ball over. You don't want to be doing that. Oh, and you got to play hard-nosed defense. So you have to score efficiently. You have to shoot. You have to play fast. You have to play slow. You have to play good defense. So you have to score a lot of points, not give up a lot of points, and be able to play every single possible style. Cool. Great. Very helpful. So you say... Teams that don't shoot well don't tend to make runs in the playoffs, but that's because teams that don't shoot well don't tend to be good. Uh, The reality is the Knicks run a lot of isolation, which people complain about, but running a lot of isolation means something very important for them, which is that the more isolation you run, the less likely you are to commit turnovers. There is a direct correlation to that. Ball movement teams are beautiful and I agree more fun to watch and it looks more pure, but they are more prone to being turnover teams. Golden State Warriors that played at their absolute peak, they played the most gorgeous basketball you've ever seen in your entire life, led the league in turnovers. Like the those teams turn the ball over a ton because the more you pass, the more likely you are to turn it over. And the Knicks will be good at scoring, I think. When the game slows down, because they have a dude who is apparently, according to you, a better isolation scorer than the tenth best scorer in the history of I did the not entire say sport. That. Did not say that. <laughs> Stop putting words and in my mouth, Fred. Katz. They're not going to turn it over that much. I see absolutely no reason why Mitchell Robinson's offensive rebounding is not going to translate. Uh, I, I see no reason why Isaiah Hartenstein's offensive rebounding is not going to translate the way that they win the possession game and that kind of stuff. I, I don't see why that would be different in a series against Cleveland or a series. You know, there are all these nuances and that kind of stuff, but this team is way better built for the playoffs than that 2021 team was. Like all they had was, oh, run it through Randall and do it every time. He's just going to put his head down and Atlanta's going to double him and he's screwed. And that Atlanta defense wasn't even that good. And like, like it was, it was fine. They played hard. Yeah. They executed well and they were very well coached, but that wasn't some like, you know, top five defense. Like it was, it was, it was a defense that like, that was more on the construction of the Knicks than it was on Atlanta's oh, high power defense. Enough so that the Knicks were like, let's go and sign Kemba Walker and Evan Fournier because we need other people to be able to do stuff. The Knicks have other people who can do stuff now. Brunson can do stuff, quickly can do stuff. They, they, they're capable of playing fast. That bench unit with Josh Hart plays fast and it goes. And um, they're, they, they have some variety. You know, that, that team didn't have a lot of variety. And, and by the way, like that offense, the reason that offense bogged down wasn't just because of style. The reason that offense bogged down because it was a bad offense. They're 24th 20, in points 20, per possession. Yeah. 24. So yeah. when you go 24th in points per possession, you can't expect <clears throat> it to all of a sudden be good come the playoffs, but this is a good offense. So, you know, I, 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 I could see them struggling to some degree on it because of the shooting. And if they really shoot poorly and obviously it's not going to go well, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm just saying like, I'm, I'm in between right now because I could see it going well too. Like this is a good offense with good basketball players. So we don't have to default to being like the Knicks aren't good anymore. They are good. No, I, I I agree with you. And I want to jump off of that to refer back to, the previous story that you wrote, which is a, a mailbag. I love your mailbags, by the way. You get a good question. You're, should I, you 
you get good questions, but you also pick good questions, I think, for your mailbox. Thank you. Yeah, you pick you pick ones that you could stick your teeth into. I have good readers. Um, I don't have like Robert Cross hashtagging 53 wins every time I do a mailbag. Sorry, Robert Cross. You're probably listening. Wow. Robert <laughs> Cross catching strays. Uh from Fred Katz, he felt yeah. that all the way in Some, uh, some somewhere out there. Sam Garcia's fourth cousin just started cracking up. Sam, Sam like, Garcia's fourth cousin's refrigerator. Um, <laughs> your mailbag piece that you wrote uh, a few days ago. Somebody asked you about um, Jalen Brunson's all all NBA chances, and you. I'm not going to go through your M- whole MIP MIP. Also, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but I I believe there was also a question about. His, oh yeah, no, you uh, uh, is Brunson the best point guard in the Eastern Conference, and what are his chances of making an All NBA team? That was the question. Oh my goodness, you know what? I didn't read the whole question. I just you should probably read the things that you write, my friend. That is oh my goodness! Pie. I didn't even read that. I just answered. I just answered. Is he the best in the Eastern Conference? I should. I should answer the All NBA question. That's a good question. Well. No, but you. So, the, in answering the question about whether he's the best point guard in the East, you inadvertently answered the question about whether he has a chance at the All NBA team because you went through all of the guards no, in the West. John, 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 stop giving me credit. I literally did not read the whole question and just it didn't happens. answer it. It happens. This, this, this is not. This is horrific lowest possible level journalism here. Like this is, this is real bad stuff. Don't, don't come on now. Just tell it like it is. My point (laughs) is you went through a comparison between Jalen Brunson and several very, very, very talented guards who are in the all NBA conversation. And I think you ended up or not. I think I know you ended up saying um, push comes to shove. I'm probably giving the nod to James Harden who um, one should, Note, uh, won an MVP and has maybe not played MVP basketball for the Philadelphia 76ers this year, but has been very, very good. And you explain all the reasons why he's been very, very good. And I'm not going to begrudge your conclusion. But I do want to draw attention to the fact that the fact that that is a, a, a valid conversation where we are having Jalen Brunson, who was not a full-time starter for his team until last season, and James Harden, who won an MVP not too long ago, I think is a sign that the conversation surrounding the Knicks and me and you had the conversation many times or a few times over the summer. God knows you wrote about it over the summer. God knows I wrote about it over the summer about this whole notion of, and we're not going to talk about trading for a star today, but like they need to, they can't trade all of it, the stuff now because they need to have enough left over for the next trade. And this, that we don't need to go back down that road. I think the, the 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 conversation has changed based on how certain players have played this year, based on how the team has played this year. And I, I want to focus on the now. I don't want to focus on the, the future. So my question to you is this. How, how much do you think... I don't want to say is riding on how the Knicks do the rest of this year, but almost like... And, and not like it... Uh, are they feeling pre- like every team feels pressure to win? Like if you, if you're in it, you're going to feel some, you know, everybody, whether you feel like you're playing with complete house money, like that team two years ago, they felt pressure to win. It was very disappointing that they lost to the Hawks, you know, even though they were projected to win 21 games. So like, how, how do you think, I almost want to ask you how like the narrative will play out for the rest of this year. And, and you know, in terms of 
their you know growth process as a franchise like how do you, how do you see that kind of playing out so i'm going to flip your question a little bit uh and i'm going to say this is a column that i, I like I've, i don't normally do like columny like old school like i have a take and here's my take sort of stuff why and it's great you should do more of that <laughs> it's not my personality i'm not takes guy uh, you have takes but, but don't give me I that. have like weird takes about like odd stuff. You I have takes have about takes like about how, uh, yeah, I have takes about how like comparing apples to oranges is a really stupid expression because people compare apples to oranges all the time. Like that's, yes. those are my takes. Good, good I, take. I, but here's, here's my like very like old school takey thing, which I, We'll probably write about at some point. And I definitely believe I just haven't figured out if I'm going to write it uh, or how I'm going to write it yet. Uh, the, the Knicks are good. And there are two follow up questions to ask that. One is how good. And that's kind of the story that I wrote today. Yep. And the second follow up question is why does it matter? There you go. Uh, why does it matter? So let's focus on that. It matters because the point of the game is to win and they're winning. Sure. But, but they're not, I think it went a playoff series. I really think like, like I, I wouldn't, I don't think I would pick them to beat Cleveland, but I, it's not like I, I wouldn't be shocked if they beat Cleveland. They beat them twice in the regular season. And again, they're good. They're legitimately good. They have not, they play a nine man rotation and all nine players are good NBA players. They are, they are good. They do not have a bad player. And also good thing for them for the playoffs. They don't have a lot of exploitable players. Like there are a lot of guys who, who a lot of times playoff series are lost because you identify the weak spot and then you destroy the weak spot. Now, they kind of have that in their lack of shooting. That's the greatest thing they have with that. But they have a lot of guys who are at the least average on both sides of the ball. Specialists have kind of been, there was a time where specialists were great in the NBA and everybody wanted a three-point specialist. You wanted your Steve Novak. And then teams realized that you can't win with your, you can't win at high, high levels with Steve Novak type guys out there because teams are going to pound them defensively. But no one's Did pounding you cover- Josh Hart. Did you cover Andre Ro- Ro- was Robertson or Roberson? Robertson? Was- yeah, Robertson. Robertson. Yeah, I did. Did you cover him? Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. No, I no more Andre a- Robertsons out there. Yeah, no more Andre Robertsons out there. I covered a first. I mean, the Ro- Andre Robertsons have turned into Herb Joneses, and and yeah. and Herb Jones, by the way, is still sort of treading that line, right? Yeah. I mean, look, I yeah, that 2017 first round series Thunder Rockets when the Rockets just stopped guarding. Andre Robertson altogether. And he was extraordinary defensively. Oh yeah. Oh my God. Was he an unbelievable defender? Like he, he had that really bad knee injury in January of 2018. And I truly, truly believe that at the point that he got hurt, he was the defensive player of the year favorite. Like I thought, I thought he was the number one guy. He was unbelievable as a like truly impossible to overstate unbelievable as a perimeter defender and he got played off the floor because 
Houston wouldn't guard him. And then he couldn't hit a free throw. And then he really got the yips. And I'll never forget Andre Robertson, who is a wonderful person, just a great guy and is easy a guy as who's ever, you're ever going to cover in your life. Um, so easy to cover. Um, always at his locker and always down to talk and that's cool. Very nice person. Uh, and him standing there after a game when he had just, they had fouled him and he had missed crucial free throw after crucial free throw. Mm. And you could tell that he was crying Uh and he stood up there and answered every question, but like his lip was quivering and Uh. it, it just felt cruel. Like you, I felt terrible. and like that series like broke him as a free throw shooter. Um, and, and you see those guys and it's like, those guys don't really exist. And you can see the way the Knicks are put together that they don't really have those sorts of exploitable guys. You know, quickly is two way. Hart is two way. A lot of their role players are two way. Hartenstein's not going to get played off the floor. He's good enough. You don't have to be great on both sides. You just have to be good enough to not be played on the, off the floor on both sides. Um, The thing that I, I mean, I was sitting next to Ian Begley at the game yesterday and we were having this conversation where I said, I think the one, the best, just the best dude. So I, I said to Ian, I feel like Jalen Brunson is overly criticized defensively. Um, like, yes, he has physical limitations. No question. I'm not arguing he is this secretly good defender. I'm not. But how many times have the Knicks lost this year because a team has just put him in pick and roll and just, and just pounded him in pick and rolls? It doesn't happen. Uh, there were times early in the year he was getting killed on pick and rolls with Julius Randle defending the back ends because Julius's pick and roll defense was so bad at the beginning of the year. Uh, but I think that was more of a Julius thing than a him thing. Uh, so I, I just think if you have guys who are good enough to where like you can't go at them and wreck them, then you're pretty good. Uh, it's possible OB gets exploited in the playoff series defensively, but you know what? He's your ninth guy. That's not going to yeah. lose you the series. I, I, I am not. pretty certain that Tom Thibodeau is not going to be like, no, I'm playing OB 25 minutes. Anyway, gotta, get, gotta get OB is yeah, his time. Yeah. I don't think that is, I don't think that's how Tom's going out right. uh, this year. It's possible. RJ shooting could, could present that sort of issue. If RJ is just really, uh. really off and they start helping off of him. But it's not like RJ stagnant. He cuts and that kind of stuff. Like he's down to move off the ball and everything. So he'll, he, he might find a way, like he might find a way. There's just not like an obvious, obvious, obvious candidate, you know, like, like you look at teams in their position, look at Miami who they're playing on Friday and Miami has a lot of guys who are really, really good on one side of the ball. And you can really, really attack on the other. Like Max Struess is going to get hot as hell, but you can attack Max Struess and pick and rolls. They just signed Kevin Love, who can mm-hmm. still play, but you can attack Kevin Love. Uh, you know, you look at you look at you know their top flight talent, and it's really good. But Kyle Lowry isn't the offensive threat that he was. No. Jimmy Butler's awesome. Bam Adebayo is unbelievable. Those guys are amazing, superstars. But Miami has a bunch of guys, so it's like. You can attack them on one side or the other, and Tyler Hero. You attack Tyler Hero. 
Tyler Hero, you can attack too. Exactly. And so it's just like the Knicks are going to be able to put together lineups with a bunch of guys who are good enough to not be exploited. Uh, and now that Josh Hart is actually attempting and shooting his threes, they're, they're going to be okay. Okay. So back to my original thing. Cause I just went on an insane tangent. No, I loved it though. It was Why? soliloquies about how good the Knicks are, are always welcome on this podcast. Continue, please. Okay. The Knicks are good. Why does it matter? Why does it matter? At the beginning of the year, and you alluded to this, I wrote 900 times and you talked about 901 times and Robert Cross probably asked about 902 times. Actually, he asked about for the first time, long time, 902 times. First time, long time. Yes. But we all asked about, they didn't trade for Donovan Mitchell because they wanted to trade for the first star in the door and it would have taken too much to trade for Donovan Mitchell. They wouldn't have had enough left over if they had done it to trade for a second star. And you can't trade for Donovan Mitchell without the ability to trade for a second star because you won't have the cap space and you can't trade for only Donovan Mitchell because they weren't in a position to where they were just one star away. They were two stars away. And I think everybody, including themselves, acknowledged that. I don't think that's the reality anymore. And that's why it matters. Even if they get swept out of the first round, I think the Knicks could reasonably come away from this season that we have to see how the season finishes and all of that and see how this tracks. But I think it's extremely possible. The Knicks come away from this season saying they are a star away. Like I think they might be if Jalen Brunson continues to average 28 a game for the rest of the year, like he's been doing for 25 games now. Uh, if they just believe, Hey, Julius Randall has just bought in this, this, I believe that this version of Julius Randall is way more replicable than the version of Randall oh, we got yes. two years ago. Yes, 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 yes. Absolutely. Because yeah. he's because his his efficiency is up, but it's not because he's making more shots, it's because where his shots are coming from. Which means again, he is embracing a different kind of role. He's aware of a role and is embracing it and is changing himself to fit it. Uh so I I think they are kind of a star away. Now the question is, what's the package? Well, I think well, based on how they negotiate, they will try to make it as pick laden as they possibly I, can. Yes, um, they and they have a lot of picks to be able to do it, but that's I, salary. I, I, I think it's reasonable to be able to think that I, I, I do. If they, they can get their hands on a, on a really awesome you know, multi-time all-star and add it to a team that is actually good. And we don't need to debate whether they're good or not because they're 36 and 27. And when you're 36 and 27, you're, you're just good. good. You're, you're not, good. are you good? Question mark. Is no, there, you're, how you're, good? you're just good. You're just good. Yep. When you're nine games over 500, you're just, that's just good. That's it. It's over. You're good. Done. Sorry. Sorry. You can't feel bad for them anymore. They're just good. I, uh, you're allowed I to be happy. Them. I know I, you're, you're allowed to be happy. You're allowed to allow yourself to experience joy. You don't have to just like ruin the moment by, by, by saying that, saying that Jalen Brunson is, is better than mellow. You can, oh my you God. can allow yourself to just enjoy the moment. Okay. I'll, I'll tell you this. <laughs> I am enjoying this team more than I have any other team that I've watched since the nineties. Um, that's, that's just me. Um, and that's a personal, that's a personal thing having nothing to do with who's better or who's, who's, you know, 
more more efficient or dangerous or any of those sorts of things. Um, I love this team and I'm happy they're good. I'm happy we could talk about them being good. Wait, and, wait, wait, yes, wait. What? I just want to know the answer. What? Why? Why do you love this team more than any team since the nineties? Um, because that twelve thirteen team was for, was really fun to watch and legitimately really good. Because a few reasons, I'll try to be brief. One, uh, I thought there was a because it was a very older, a much older team. Um, I thought there was a shelf life, pretty defined shelf life, and you got the sense like, well, what happens if some of these old dudes um, aren't around anymore? And they weren't around very long, and we saw what happened. Um, and I think that's the that, that's the main thing. And I also think there was also. A very, for me at least, it was a very distinct sense of like, I don't know how we are going to improve from here to the point of getting to um, the level of Miami. And even though it turned out that the Heatles were not to be long lived in the NBA, at that time, it still felt like LeBron, Chris Bosch, Dwayne Weed were going to be this like unbeatable force that was going to be around for the next half a decade. And so like everybody else was playing for second. That's how I felt at the time. Obviously that was incorrect. Um, with the way the league is right now and with the um, advent of superstars moving even more so than they did a decade ago, uh, sitting here right now, I, 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 don't have that belief that there was like a ceiling on like, okay, this is a fun thing, but it's, it has a, a cap, but more than that, just like these guys resonate with me. Like Jalen Brunson resonates with me as much as any player that I think I've watched again since the nineties. That's just like, maybe because he's a short little short squat little dude. And he just like, out, he's all he does is like operate with like a chip on his shoulder. And like, how much can I get out of that chip on my shoulder? That's how I've, I've been that way you know, since I was a kid. Um, you know, Josh Hart, Emmanuel quickly. Like, That's they all, the first they, thing guys- that I think when I, when I watch Jalen Brunson, just like roasting drew holiday and like winning games at the garden. The first thing I think is like, man, Mac- that's exactly what Macri has been exactly. doing for 40 years. Yep, exactly. I know. I know. You so don't have to say, but I appreciate it. Um, even and the last thing I'll say, even, and you know, I killed them more than anyone. Reading, you know, Julius Randall's recent comments and to being very open about getting his mind right. And like, and I said this, I think on the post game pod, like as someone who's getting older and like thinking about life and like has kids and like all that kind of shit, that really resonated with me. You know, just kind of trying to sh- sort your stuff out, figuring out what matters. How do I get in the best headspace to make the most of like every day and be the best version of myself? Like, like all that stuff is really, really resonating with me. And then, and then tips, which I don't have to speak to speak about because everybody knows how much I adore Tom Thibodeau. But yeah, for a lot of reasons, it's, it's just a team that resonates with me. That's all. Tibbs is funny, man. Tibbs. Tibbs is funny. It's it's just so funny how like with Tibbs, like when it works, it just works. And my my the thing the thing about Tibbs that that amuses me is that you know as a journalist, you're always wanting to create relationships and get to know people, and you you don't just want to know 
I mean, you don't just want to know like the coaches and the players and you don't even just want to know the coaches and the players in the front office. And you don't even want to know the coaches, the players front office and like the general people who work for the organization, like the equipment people and, 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 you know, the whomever else, like you don't just want to know that you also would try to get to know people around those people. You know, you you get to know guys, family members and uh, childhood friends and all that kind of stuff. And you, you create all these relationships. Right. And, Part of the reason you create these relationships is because you're a human being and it's nice to have relationships with other people. And the other part is it's helpful professionally and you can be as informed as possible the more people you know. And with Tibbs, you need exactly zero sources to know if he likes Blair or not. (laughs) It's just like everyone is equally qualified. Like I just love that they traded for Josh Hart. And I knew that Tibbs had loved Josh Hart because I had spoken to Tibbs about Josh Hart, like, like, like well before. Um, And, and Tibbs does this thing where if anybody asks him about an upcoming team, what he'll do is he'll just name everybody on the roster. And he'll say one to two sentences about everybody on the roster. You know, what are your thoughts on the Pacers? Oh, you know, Halliburton is such a handful you have to deal with. And Miles Turner is a really underrated center and Buddy Heal is just one of the best shooters in the league and TJ McConnell, what a pest. And he'll just go through the whole roster and just do one to two sentences on every player. Cause he obviously just wants to say something nice about everybody and, and he doesn't sure. want to leave anybody out. <clears throat> and there was a moment, a few, you know, when they played Portland one time, I was like, Oh, what do you think about Portland? And, and Damon Lillard's as great of a player, you know, great point guard as there is in this league. And, uh, you know, Josh Hart, I think he's the best offensive. I think he's the best rebounding guard in the league. Oh my goodness. He just plays hard. And then he, and then he writes like a 12,000 word love letter to Josh Hart. And then he moves on Jer- Jeremy Grant. What a, what a great addition for you them. Know, and you know, through. you know, and it's, and, and, and so when they trade for Josh Hart, it's just funny that like everyone's reaction was just like, Oh, what a Tibbs player. Every, including Josh Hart. <laughs> yeah, he knew it too. He's spoken about it. Um, yeah. no, Tibbs, and Tibbs it's, is amazing. It's really funny. It's it's really funny how like you just get these Tibbs guys. And and one thing that I did write in that story, which you mentioned, is that like they have consciously tried to put together a team that had a lot of Tibbs guys. But I don't think that the only reason that they've done this is because it's like, you know, if you don't get a Tibbs guy there, then you end up with a Cam Reddish situation. And I don't, I don't think that's like the only reason that they've done this. Like, I don't think it's just to acquiesce to Tibbs. Sure. Yeah, I know. I think it's because the front office has the same philosophy that he does. I think they just think very similarly. I do think that's an organizational consistency. And I think the front office just wants those types of guys. I do. And, um, you know, and they're getting them. They have assembled the team of those types of guys that I absolutely have fallen in love with and that you uh, get to cover for another, another, hopefully a couple of months. I would be fun. Um, you, my friend, you are the best. Um, for anybody who may not know, could you please, as you always do, remind folks at home where uh, they could find you and your wonderful material? <laughs> Yeah, follow me on Twitter at Fred Katz. You can check out my stuff on The Athletic. Uh, I'll have a story coming out. Should I tease it? I don't know if it's definitely coming out later this week. It's going to come out at some point, probably later this week on on, uh, Josh. I'll risk it on uh, 
it's not that big of a risk. It'll it'll it started coming out probably later this week on uh uh Josh Hart's ability to go coast to coast and kind of Ooh. where that comes from. Cool. And uh and uh yeah, I'll have more stuff moving forward. At some point I'm gonna write that Mitchell Robinson story, and that thing is gonna be so dumb. And and I can't and wait to read it. What, what's the what's the opposite? Oh, a Pulitzer. Like that story is going to get me fired uh, and it'll be, and it'll be worth it. A Macri. We'll, we'll create a new award. <laughs> you, you got a Macri will, for that story. I will, because I write this story, I will be immediately deemed ineligible for any and all journalistic awards moving forward. And I could, <laughs> I could break, I could break the news of the, the biggest presidential election in history 12 years from now. And they'd be like, Nope, you wrote, no, you wrote that Mitch story. Wrote and, that Mitch story and it, that and it'll time. be worth it. Um, <laughs> fantastic stuff as always. Um, I look forward to debating with you more about, um, basketball trivialities the next time we talk, which I'm sure will not be in the too distant future. Uh, Fred Katz, you're a gem baby. Thank you. And thank everybody out there watching and listening. Uh, don't forget, uh, if you dig the show, subscribe, rate, review, the whole thing. Fred will be back for more funny games before you know it, as will we with another episode very soon. Peace out.